Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What's up on a Friday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator, as always, is Michael Borky. We appreciate you hanging out with us on this opening day edition of Mailbag Friday. The People's Holiday is back. Uh, spring is upon us again. That's what I'm told when baseball season comes around. Not really the case. It's like 40-something degrees. But baseball is back. We'll get into Ole Miss, Louisville, what to expect from the Cardinals. Probably, I'll probably just lay out four or five general storylines uh, to kind of watch for for Ole Miss for the year. Of course, we'll get to your questions because it is the people's holiday. Ole Miss plays a hoops game at Kentucky. We've got a lot to get to today. What's up? Not a whole lot, man. Yeah, it's funny. The I mean, you said it right before we hit record that, I mean, baseball is playing Louisville this weekend, and there's a sneaky big basketball game tomorrow. I mean, big in a sense that if they win, the conversation dramatically changes about this team and, and themselves moving forward. It's... It's not a consequence game, basically a free shot, because, look, neither of us think that they're making the NCAA tournament, but they're playing well enough right now to find their way into that conversation. They don't need to beat Kentucky to work their way back into that conversation. They have another shot with Auburn on the road here. I think it's next week or two weeks from now. Um, So that can be that kind of game as well. But if they are able to find a way, which is not inconceivable, Kentucky is not unflappable. It is a very beatable Kentucky team, especially with the way Ole Miss is playing right now. If they find a way to go to Lexington and win, you're talking a path to the NCAA tournament. And not like they have to win out and get to Sunday in the SEC tournament. But like, here are the games they have to win. They can afford to lose at Auburn now. Probably still have to make some noise in in the NCAA tournament. In the SEC tournament. But a clear path is outlined if Ole Miss can pull a win off against Kentucky on Saturday, and it's a game that not many people are going to pay attention to because of baseball. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those games where it's not the greatest matchup again. I mean, they have Nick Richards, who outside of Reggie Perry, who I don't I think for my money, Perry's probably the SEC player of the year, but there still is some season left, but a gigantic 6-11 forward. One of those type matchups where it's not a great matchup for Ole Miss in the front court, but they've kind of gone back-to-back games like that where you've kind of said that, hey, not a great matchup, you know, what have you, and then they've somehow won the game. So, again, like as I, I had a buddy that covers Kentucky for uh, one of the two, it's the two four seven side up there, you know, with, with Kentucky basketball, like, he goes everywhere. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I mean, what, however many games are on the schedule is the amount of games they're covering as a side because that's what makes them money. And he texted me earlier this week. and was like, hey, are you coming up for this game? And I kind of just started laughing. I was like, no, of course not. But honestly, I second thought, like, if there were an excuse to, like, because basketball, obviously, here is not the, does not carry the type of, uh, what am I trying to say? Like, it, it doesn't draw the type of interest to use a bunch of resources to go on the road everywhere. You kind of have to pick your spots. But as the more and more I thought about it, I was like, that's actually not that dumb of a question because if Ole Miss weren't playing Louisville in baseball here this weekend and that being such a big series, this would probably actually be a good like good one to spend a road trip on because this is kind of – like their season's not necessarily over if they win, win tomorrow, but this is kind of one where like they're back in the conversation if you win this game. So it's it's it. I would call it the most important game of their season. To be completely honest, I guess is a roundabout way of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, real implications on this one. So and two weeks ago, you wouldn't have thought that. I was telling you before we started recording, like you know, two weeks ago, I just envisioned sitting at Swayze, half-ass monitoring the game, putting up you know two, three hundred words, whatever, on the website when it was over, kind of summarizing it and doing like you know your job, whatever, and then just having something up. But like now, it's kind of like I will probably have. To be completely honest, I'll probably pay more attention to this than I do the baseball game uh, until the basketball game is over. Until it's let's start with baseball then. I mean, we're already on it, right? So let's start with baseball, then get to questions. Uh, the the series this weekend. Um, I said on Wednesday show that it's it's going to matter a lot more for fans than it will the team and the outlook on the season. But as far as the actual games themselves, really hard to project Ole Miss. I am well aware, but what 
uh, do you expect from Louisville, aside from the fact that they're really good, believe it or not, you know, the number one team in the country? Um, what do you see? What do you expect? What does Louisville have on the mound and their lineup, all that good stuff? Let's just start with baseball. I mean, as I keep mentioning, they're pretty much just Vanderbilt North. I mean, they're going to have seven, six, seven dudes that come in. I mean, I say not six, literally six, seven dudes out of the bullpen, though. That might actually be the case. Between their starters and the weekend, all these dudes are going to throw mid-90s with big, devastating breaking balls. Like, it's just kind of their thing. Like, Vander, like you think the Vanderbilt stereotype, just think of a Walmart brand with that. I mean, you have Reed Detmers on Friday, who he and Doug McKay are actually friends. I believe they played summer ball together, but probably a top-two-round draft pick. He's first-team All-American. I, I say probably top two. I was leaving myself some leeway. He is probably going to be a first-round draft pick. Uh, throws mid-90s fastball, pretty good breaking ball, and a changeup. And it's one of those things where he throws hard enough to where if you don't catch up to his fastball and you're not used to it, it's uh, like, or I say used to it. If you can't catch up to that thing, you really don't have any hope with anything else. And, you know, usually that's not an issue with older veteran hitters because at the college level, if you've been through the SEC two, three times, a guy coming in and throwing 90, 92, 94, something like that, even though Detmers probably go a little higher than that, is not that big of a deal. But Ole Miss has a bunch of guys that haven't uh, seen this type of pitching before and are playing in their first major college game. So seeing that sort of velo for the first time is. Not all. I mean, it's it's not always easy to adjust to. So I mean, would I be a hundred percent shocked if that kid shoves for eight innings and Ole Miss is still searching for their first run on Saturday? Uh, no, not necessarily at all. But I mean, at but the same time, that, that's fine though, right? I mean, isn't that so? That's really going to bother people because it's you know former Bianco assistant people that think that you can fire Bianco and just he'll come crawling to Oxford. And being Dan McDonald would not take this job, by the way. I can well, promise like you. Like ever? No matter no. what? I, mm. Maybe, maybe, if you maybe. Fire if Mike, things... that's a non-starter, right? It's if, like, Mike resigns in grace or something, maybe the door's open. I mean, I was just going to say maybe you have, you might, if Mike, like, you might, you, like, if Mike is done and then you have someone in between and Dan's tired of Louisville or things grow still there, maybe, but, like, Mike's is they're friends. Like, you know, Mike's got a kid that plays on that team. Not that that necessarily has anything to do with this. They're buddies. Uh, and like, as much as people don't want to hear it, Louisville, much better, much easier job. Like it, it just, it, there, there are really no reasons at all why he would take it. <laughs> I mean, there are very few other than he's been here before and he likes it here. So, or, I, you know, I'm sure they could pull out a dollar amount either way. Like the, it, he's the guy that, that fans think that will just come here and, and anytime Louisville does something well, he's immediately compared to Bianco and all that stuff happens. So there's the crowds. I don't think will be very good just because the weather is going to suck. I mean, just be terrible for baseball, but there's going to be more attention paid on this series than any non-conference series, maybe ever just because of who it is coming in here. But I mean, if let's say they get freaking no hit tonight, I mean, just they, they can't touch the kid. People are going to not get into panic mode, but be like, wow, this team can't hit. This really sucks. But that's not the reaction tonight, right? Like they can get smoked and it doesn't really tell you anything, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just one game out of 60 out of 60 or whatever. But I mean, if they go through the weekend and they score like two runs total off of Detmers, Miller and Smith, then you're like, okay, I mean, cause that, this is what they're going to face week in and week out in the sec. Now each, each sec weekend series is not going to have three kids this good across the rotation, but they're going to be your Vanderbilt's, your Georgia's, your Florida's, you know, I don't necessarily buy the back end of LSU's, but that's not really the point here are going to have this level ish of pitching, so, I mean, LSU, you're going to go Cole Henry, Landon Marceau, and whoever, whatever freshman they have. Every by the time you see Sunday. those guys, I mean, this is, like you said, this is their first, I mean, the catcher, uh, Dunhurst, right? That's his name. Um, I mean, first time seeing college pitching at all, at all, outside of inner squad scrimmages. So, he can be a great freshman and go 0 for 20 this weekend, it, just because it's going to take some time for them to figure out what they're seeing. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, the, this weekend wouldn't necessarily like, like. Should you draw sweeping assumptions one way or another this weekend? No, but at the same time, like if they do get swept, I do think it's a 
fairly decent indicator of, okay, this team might not be able to score runs. Does that mean that's going to be the case? Of course not. But I mean, if you go through three games and all three of these kids are just making you know, the lineup look silly, I don't think that's a great sign by any means, but I don't think there's any way to, I mean, I don't think they're going to make, you're going to see any sweeping indications one way or another. But to be honest, man, if they were playing Wright State and they had some kid from Wright State, you know, if all, even if Ole Miss won a 2-1 game or some shit like that, you'd still have people upset. It's just kind of the nature of the beast in this day and age and message board and land and all of that, and that's all fine. But, uh, you know, baseball is not a game where you can draw sweeping assumptions off two, three games. I think most people listening to this probably know that, but, you know, that's not going to stop people anyway. But so you've got Detmers on Friday. You've got Bobby Miller on Saturday, who is probably kind of a first day draft guy as well. I'm guessing. Like, I mean, if if like out of the prospects on their team, if Detmers is one, I think Miller's two above any position player. Uh, same thing. I mean, he's probably actually going to throw even harder than Detmers. Uh, like, I'm pretty sure this is the kid last year. I'm pretty sure in the uh, in Omaha that touched. 98-99 a couple times and then he's got he's got a slider that's uh, about going to bottom out at 90 maybe 89 and then a change up in the curveball so that sounds like fun I mean the kid went 7-0 last year um, and I think saved two games and then the kid you're going to see on Sunday is probably going to be familiar because he's the kid that yelled F you at what they were playing Vanderbilt in that game in Omaha that became like a meme or whatever you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Kid. The, Didn't the, he get shelled after that, too, or am I misremembering? I don't remember what happened in that game, but I do remember watching that part. It was the kid with the rec specs, and he's looking, he strikes the kid out, he's walking in the dugout, you can very clear it. I mean, you have to be a mouth-reading expert to, uh, yeah, to understand what he was saying. Speaking of Twitter, Twitter just roasted this kid, and it's like, yeah, that was stupid, like, you don't do that, but Jesus, he's a college kid. Like, sometimes they're going to say that phrase at each other, and sometimes it's ill-advised. But my God, these moral high horse riding adult men who have experienced two decades more than this kid has in their life, just absolutely, I remember this specifically, and I'm talking about individual people in particular that just were appalled and disgusted that a college kid used the F word towards another college kid. It's like you have, in your life, you have never done that before? Oh, wait. Yeah, you have, because I've seen it. But that's okay. I remember that vividly now, because that was when I decided that Twitter was the worst website in the world, because the moral high horse riding about that play in particular was ridiculous. They have a closer named Michael Kirian, I believe is how you say that. And he actually is not going to throw as hard as a couple of these starters are, but he's one of those, this is going to sound dumb, but bear with me here, is one of those one-pitch Mariano Rivero-type closers where you kind of know what's coming and you still can't really have it anyway. He throws a fastball on a slider, and he's probably going to get you out with one of those, uh, and the slider is kind of his wipeout pitch. But, uh, yeah, so that... You came here to hear me uh, compare a college closer to Mariano Rivera, but you get my point. It's kind of a one-two pitch pony to where if you know what's coming and it's still just really good. But, you know, this, I mean, Louisville pitches it every year. That's kind of their recruiting footprint. That's kind of their profile. Again, Vandy North would be a pretty good way to think about it. Uh, lineup not too shabby either, but I don't think anything scares you quite as bad as they're pitching on the mound. Louisville didn't hit the ball in the ballpark a ton. That may change here. Uh, the cold weather, Swayze, not always the greatest park to hit it over the fence. They have a, uh, as if they didn't have enough pitcher, good pitchers on their roster, they have a left fielder named Zach Britton. It was, uh, that is the same name as probably the best closer in baseball. Don't think he pitches, but outside of that, lineup pretty good. I don't think they start any freshmen. I'm pretty sure all these kids are upper cl- or upperclassmen with the exception of the third baseman and the right fielder. But, you know, veteran lineup, they went to Omaha last year. They're going to be pretty damn good again this year. And it is going to be a hell of a challenge for Ole Miss. If you talk about Ole Miss's kind of path to winning this deal, you're going to need two pretty special uh, performances. And to be honest, not that I, like, I, I'd like to see it first from Gunnar Hoagland, but to be honest, the pathway to me for Ole Miss to winning this is Doug Nikhazy is special on Friday night. And then you kind of get surprised by how good Derek Diamond is, and he gives you gives you six innings, your bullpen's reserved, and you close out a close one on Sunday. To me, that's more the path because 
until I see it from Hoagland, I just don't see him against an elite lineup uh, holding it down like a Saturday guy uh, would in the SEC. But I could be wrong. Maybe he comes out and chubs tomorrow. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess there is a reason that he's such a highly thought of prospect. Maybe the light comes on and uh, that secondary pitch that uh, he's added is effective. I, that's the thing. I will say he was a polarizing prospect. He was a first-round pick to some clubs and not on the board to others. He was an interesting case. So what was it that had him on the board? And I guess on Wednesday's show, you described what uh, had him off of the board for some people is that he just tried to throw fastballs at you and didn't mix up pitches and try to get people to chase out of the zone and stuff like that. Well, I mean, I think he was drafted on projectability just because he's a left, excuse me, he's right-handed, but he's a big, tall, lanky kid. Looks like a professional in terms of like his body. I don't know his exact measurables, but you kind of look at him and you're like, all right, that kid is a pitcher or a baseball player type of deal. But I I just thought, I think it was basically all drafting on projecting and seeing, you know, I mean, if fastball command or whatever is your worst issue, you kind of saw that with Ryan Rollison, a professional scout could or professional coaching staff could fix that in a couple of months. I think he was drafted mostly off projection. He's listed he got, at six four two twenty. Yeah, I mean that's just a big solid pitcher build. You know, I, I think if Gunnar Hoagland is going to be good this year, his slider is going to have to be a lot better because just after his fastball last year, he didn't really have a whole lot. And I, I think that's going to be better. I think that's going to be the case. Most of these kids learn. He's a freshman starting in. Starting on the weekends in the SEC as a freshman is hard. I mean, I, I, I don't think he, he – and he did kind of put it together last year. But one of those starts was in Hoover where he was just kind of death by a fly ball against an Arkansas team that didn't quite want to be there. And so I always just kind of had reservations about how real that second half of the season was last year. But the good thing for him is he's got a whole other year to prove it. So, you know, this would be a good start if he can, if he can hold down that – that lineup on Saturday and give Ole Miss a chance to win. I'm just saying I'd like to see it first. But oh, of course, especially against this lineup. I mean, you'll know pretty quickly if um, if that has happened, considering who the opponent is tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight's going to be fun. I think Nikhazy and Detmers is going to be awesome. I think they're both going to have to be pretty special because I think runs are going to be hard to come by. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I, it's a shame be- the weather sucks the way it does, man. Yeah, at least it's not. At least there's no rain, though. It's just cold. Like, it's going to be cold. It's going to be, like, I think high 40s, low 50s. And then when the sun goes down about, what, I guess that would be college baseball third, fourth inning at this rate. It says it's 29 degrees there right now. Is that true? I haven't walked outside yet today. All I've done is uh, let the dog out and drink my coffee. So I I don't have an accurate gauge. You know what? I'll walk. (laughs) We're We're taking this podcast outside. Shit, yeah, it's cold. That's uh, brutal. And so right. first pitch temperature is 41, according to this thing I'm looking at. And by 7 o'clock, it's 34. Okay, so I highballed this. I, I was looking at the weather on, I guess, Monday or Tuesday, and it was saying like mid-40s, which really isn't much better. But if it's mid-40s in the sun, it's bearable. But to your point, now it's going to be 30s and uh, – Tomorrow and will be fine. Tomorrow's good. Uh, well, you'll take it. The sun will be out for the most part, and it'll get up to 58. Like, that's fine. That's a 1 o'clock first pitch tomorrow, right? Yeah. So that that is, like, the crowd should be good and engaged. Uh, God bless the people that throw beer on each other, even when it's 58 degrees. But that's still fine baseball weather. Let's get to the questions, because I'm sure that we can t- kind of uh, – put a bow on the Louisville stuff with some of the questions. Cause I know we had a few baseball questions in there, but first I'd like to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by LBs. If you're coming into town for the game and listening to this right now, stop everything you're doing. Stop. Don't get beer. Just drive straight to LBs. Go see Greg university Avenue across from Kroger. We've got steaks, custom cuts. He's got Swayze game packs, all kinds of sausages. You know, you want to go grill something out there. Uh, maybe you want to just intentionally burn it and use the warmth. Maybe just uh, cook a sausage and then like put it in your shirt or pants or something to keep warm. You can do whatever you want at uh, LB's. There are no rules. But go see Greg, University Avenue across from Kroger. Uh, best place in Mississippi to get meat. Appreciate Greg sponsoring the show. This is Greg's like heyday too. I mean, he feeds the baseball team. People love going to LB's to go find stuff to grill out there, left, right field, or whatever. Uh, This is opening day for Greg, too, and I bet he's fired up. I haven't texted him in a couple days, but um, I need to. I should have had him on today. I just didn't think about it. But anyway, go see him, University Avenue, across from Kroger. All right, let's hit these questions. I'm sure 
I don't know if we had any basketball-related questions, to be completely honest, but we will get to that either we way. We did have one asking about what's harder, winning the College World Series or the NCAA tournament, if that So we, we have a couple. I just scrolled past one. I, 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 just, I guess I totally made that up. First question we have, who hits home run number one for Ole Miss and which pitcher will have the highest strikeout total by the end of the season? Hmm. <laughs> well, it, this is a hard question to answer because, like, Austin Miller is probably going to be the closer for this team, and I think he's going to generate a bunch of swings and misses because, like, he's the kid last year, if you remember, came in and just had that ridiculous. What, he strike out seven or eight guys in a row uh, pretty much running on fumes in that SEC title game against Vanderbilt? and then just kind of ran out of gas in the night. Uh, I can't remember how many it was, but it was it was just kind of one of those. I mean, it's like a shoot. It was like Bree and Tyree the other night where you just get hot and you just kind of go unconscious. It was that type of performance. I think he's got a chance to generate a lot of swings and misses, but the problem is, is obviously he is not going to generate the innings total that a couple of other guys are. So if, you, if the question was highest strikeout rate, that's where you would go. But highest total... Is the obvious answer Nikhazy? Yeah, I think so. But Nick, Nikhazy doesn't – I mean, I'm about to look at the strikeout totals from last year. He had 86 Nikhazy. a year ago and 89 inning, innings pitched. Okay. So, yeah, Nikhazy's probably your answer there. Taylor Broadway throws a bunch of strikes, not necessarily a strikeout guy, but just in terms of – he's going to get a ton of innings, so – that might be a candidate as well. But I will go, if you're telling me, like, probably high strikeout rate, I think the safest bet is to probably go Austin Miller because if Parker Caracy's time at Ole Miss told you anything, God knows Mike Bianco is, uh, is not scared of the five and six out saves. So he, uh, like he will have enough opportunities and enough batters faced, even though he probably will not log the, uh, the inning total that would just, like, would lead you to believe raw strikeout numbers last year. Yeah. Miller was actually third on the team in strikeouts. He wasn't even the closer last year. He had 62. So I'm going to say that's probably your best bet. Gunnar Hoagland wasn't a huge strikeout guy. I do wonder if that changes this year. I think he's going to need to generate more swings and misses because I think that will prove that he's learned to kind of not, uh, not be in the strike zone so often. So I will go Austin Miller on that. As far as the, First home run, Keenan. Hey, that's the that's the. If you were betting, if you had like a line on this, that would be the safest bet. I'll go Kevin Graham though, because if Kevin Graham just kind of finds a fastball and pokes at it, he has this weird way to where it doesn't look like he hit the ball that hard, and then it goes like four hundred and forty feet. But so, isn't he not starting? Uh, I don't know if Kevin Graham's starting today. I wonder. So we'll find out, I guess, here in a little bit. Yeah, I would actually. Hmm. He make sure that's right. Yeah, left-handed bat. Hmm. I wonder if he. I. I wonder if the Van Cleve kid will DH then, since Kevin Graham's left-handed, and then I wonder who's in left. Yeah, that's probably a shitty pick today, honestly. Because they go lefty on lefty. Either that or you're go, not expecting any home runs today. Well, uh, that's a whole other argument in its own right. That that could certainly be possible. But I'll go. Uh, I, I guess Keenan's probably the answer because Keenan is 100% going to be in the lineup uh, one way or another. Maybe Leatherwood is a good answer, but he also hits lefty. Hell, they're going to have to put someone out there in left field. Either way, I don't know. Uh, I'll go. Kevin, I mean, I'll go uh, Tyler Keenan. I think that's probably your safest bet. You're probably right. Let's see. Where did I lose this? Oh, God. Politics. Hell yeah. After the oh. Iowa caucus in New Hampshire primary, what are your thoughts on this month's contest in Nevada and South Carolina? Uh, Hell, Joe know, Biden man. better do well. Yeah, I just want to be entertained. Um, Biden's campaign's on a free fall right now. Uh, the uh, What's funny is, uh, here. here's some politics for you, and I... This is as far as I understand it. So if I'm wrong, uh, I'm a sports guy and leave me alone. Um, but it certainly sounds like the impeachment thing, uh, one, was a, a big time fail on, on behalf of the Democrats because 
re-election is always more difficult than the initial election. That's an obvious understanding. And now Trump's base has been especially fired up because you tried to impeach him and it ended up not working. But what the impeachment did was expose corruption in the Joe Biden camp. And so now the, uh, the clear and obvious front runner, um, probably the most qualified of the group to actually be the president, uh, is in a free fall because you tried to impeach Donald Trump. So they, if that's who the Democrats wanted, uh, they shot themselves directly in the foot, or at least the Joe Biden side of things were shot directly in the foot by the impeachment thing. So if he doesn't do well in Nevada and South Carolina, you can basically call it over. It's, it seems to me like you've got Bloomberg versus Trump. Bloomberg hey, easy. The, it's mini Mike, pal. <laughs> the former Republican turned Democrat versus the former Democrat allegedly turned Republican going at each other. Both guys from New York City. They're basically the same thing, but one is obviously much smaller in stature than the other. That seems like it's where we're headed. And if you want entertainment, that's where you'll get entertainment. Bernie versus Trump would be just a landslide. It wouldn't even be close. I, Trump would win 40 plus states. It, it would not be close. Um, I think sounds like Biden needs to uh, sounds like Biden needs to pull a page from that movie, the campaign and just make one of those sex tape campaign commercials like he did <laughs> in the movie. And he needs you, some kind of Hail Mary because he's in a free fall. But if you get Bloomberg versus Trump. That, for your entertainment, if that's what you're seeking, that's what you'll get. Because Bloomberg will go right down in the weeds with a man, and they will just trade blows all the time. And that will be the campaign. The uh, if, A fun exercise to do, and I keep telling people this, if you go watch the movie The Campaign, which I think came out like 2014, 2015, somewhere around there, and then... Like go watch it. It's actually like not. It was almost prophetic in the sense that like now, like all the jokes and the liners and the bits that they use are literally no different than how actually Trump has turned American politics into like now. Like there's literally no different. Like at the beginning of the movie where he leads the uh, you know inappropriate voicemail on the answering machine of that family, and he's like at the press conference like we cannot have this. This is unacceptable. And like the reporter's like Congressman, you made the call. And like it, it's just like it's supposed to be a parody <laughs> about American politics, but you, it's not even able to be parodied anymore because of the way things have gone. It's it's pretty wild, to be completely honest. So uh, that was Lib Talk Mississippi. Appreciate the politics questions. Yeah, you're welcome. And if I'm wrong, sorry, I, whatever. You don't have to be responsible for your politics takes on this show. Uh, what would your reaction be if? parentheses big if if Ole Miss went from one and seven to the NCAA tournament well one I'd be shocked and number two I mean it it, it like once again kind of completely change I don't know if it changes the way you think about Kermit Davis and what he's doing here but it's it would be remarkable because it would be the first time they'd had back-to-back tournament appearances I think since the Rob Evans teams in like 97, 98 went with Keith Carter. I don't remember if they went 99 to 01 because 01 is when they w- went to the Sweet 16, if I'm not, not mistaken, under Rod Barnes. It, it's the first time in a long time they've had back-to-back tournament appearances is my point. And, you know, given what they crawled out of, it would, I mean, they would kind of be, in my opinion, outside of whoever wins the SEC, they would be the story of the SEC. You go from one and seven and you pull that off. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but my reaction would be is I would be fairly shocked and uh, that would be a hell of a lot of fun to cover, to be completely honest. I mean, that would, you talk about late January and everyone kind of being moved on to baseball and checked out of basketball to that. I mean, like it, it's, even, it's just hard to picture in my mind. Ole Miss playing a tournament game after that, but I would be shocked and impressed. I'd be, be the short of it. Yeah, absolutely shocked. But then it would just be a testament of how good of a floor coach Kermit Davis is. The only thing that would hold him back from having, paramount success is uh, recruiting because as far as the ability to coach a team um, there's not many guys that you would take over him so um, yeah it would be shocking but at the same time it's like well that's the kind of stuff that Kermit Davis does I mean that's why you hire a guy like him and that's why Mississippi State still to this day is kicking themselves for not doing it because that's the kind of coach that he is it would be shocking because one in seven to tournament is shocking no matter who it is but then again, 
I mean, that, that's, that's why you hired him, and that's why it's baffling that it's more surprising that it took programs this long to hire the dude um, than it is them making the tournament after going one and seven. But that's just me. It's crazy how quickly the narrative in the state flip-flops back and forth because I think there God, is God, man, I remember the text that our, the radio show was getting. Hey, Ole Miss fans probably don't like Kermit now. Yeah, it's like the you had a program that, that had like a 13-year gap without going to the tournament, hadn't had back-to-back tournament appearances in you know God knows how long, two decades. Like, I mean, like them not making the tournament this year would would not like would have not like yeah, like I thought it was a tournament team. I'm not going to say like it wouldn't have been surprising, but at the same time, like it's not like devastating. If they had free fall, it's probably a little different story. But yeah, the the narrative on Kermit changes very quickly in the state just because of where he went to school versus where he's coaching now. And like, you know, it's like, well, maybe they shouldn't have hired him. And it's it's almost like a game by game basis type of thing. I think he's going to be a pretty good coach. I think he's going to get Ole Miss to the NCAA tournament at a higher clip than they really ever had. Just my opinion. Uh, You know, even if it's not this year, whatever. Three out of five years, give or take. Yeah. I think I think he's uh, I think he's capable of doing that. Now, you know, I don't think that's happening this year, but whatever. If the, uh, to answer your question, I would be surprised if I had told you this time last year, in 12 months, you'd have Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss and Mike Leach at MSU. How high would you think I was? <laughs> I mean, I get a lot of these pretty regularly in terms of like when Ole Miss sucked, it'd be like, well, why don't why don't they go higher so and so, whatever. So I wouldn't know. I wouldn't necessarily think you're high. I would have thought you're overly ambitious, and I probably would have shot down your hopes, and I would have been wrong because I wouldn't have thought State would have hired State. Mike Leach to Mississippi State is more shocking than Ole Miss than Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss to me, Absolutely. just because of the way it happened, who Mike Leach is. Like, all of that to me is more shocking because Ole Miss, obviously, you know, they were struggling. Matt Luke was not long for this world, whether it was 2019, whether it was 2020, whatever. And I get Joe Moorhead was struggling. I get that. But, like, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss kind of fit. Like, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that would make sense. If you really want to make a bold splash hire, get people excited again, it makes sense. Say, like, stay to Mike Leach. If you had told me that out of the blue, I would have been like, I don't really see Keenum. I'm not Keenum. I don't really see Cohen going for that. Like, no. Don't well, really. if you remember the initial uh, Moorhead firing press conference, that's not the direction that he was going. It's not at all. Um, it just, because of the way the search shook out, that's the direction it kind of had to go. And credit to him, um, salvaged the search. The search was not going well at all. They were swinging and missing on multiple candidates. That was a real thing that did happen, but they ended up with a really – I mean, a really good football coach and the splash hire, but that's not what they were initially looking for when they started the search. They just either had to go that direction or else it would have been a disaster. Yeah, and I think it turned out as a pretty good, fun hire. Like, I think it'll oh, be yeah, a lot absolutely. of fun to watch it play out. I just, like I said, I did, the, you articulated it better, but yeah, to me it's shocking because of that. I just didn't see Cohen initially going in that direction. Like Mike Leach to me was way out of left field. Even when like, cause even there were no rumblings and you can get into how the search was covered. That's a common conversation for another day, but there were really no rumblings of it. It was just kind of a Feldman tweet. Like they hired Mike Leach and you're kind of like, what? And then it happened and it was like, okay, sweet. This is, this is going to be a hell of a lot of fun here. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I probably would, would have been pretty shocked. I don't know if I'd accused you of being high. That's not usually my go-to, but, uh, yeah, I, I get your overall point. Do you think Tyler Myers injury will hamper this team's full potential? So Tyler Myers expect to be probably the team's, I mean, he, Taylor Broadway, one, a one B top middle relief guys, innings eaters, uh, Tyler, Tyler Myers was really good last year in stretches for Ole Miss. I mean, he would have two, three outing stretches where he was really dominant. And then he would slip back a little bit, but he's a really good pitcher. I, yes. I mean, do I think it will hamper them from reaching their pool potential? Yes. Losing Tyler Myers hurt, but I think they have the bullpen depth to still be okay. Would they like to have Tyler Myers? Of course. I don't think it's a killer. I could, I guess, hamper them from, like it, it, the question is worded a little weird, but what it hampered them from reaching their full potential, maybe. But if they're going to lose someone on this team, like losing a Tyler Keenan or one of your very few middle of the order established bats, Tyler Keenan's really the only one. Like that would hurt them with the new hitters they have way worse than a bullpen arm, a right-handed bullpen arm in 
injury because they're already right-handed heavy. They've got guys back there. They've got a couple of freshmen who you don't know yet, like Wes Burton, Drew McDaniel, that I think have a chance to really help them. One of those two dudes I just mentioned is going to be the midweek guy. And hell, you never know what happens with Diamond or even Hoagland or whoever. It could end up on the weekend. So I, I think they've got arms back there. So I don't think that's going to kill them. He's a good pitcher. He's kind of been weathered and you can't really replace the experience. So it hurts, but I don't think it's killer. If you like if, if you made Mike Bianco choose before the years, like you got your one of your guys is gonna miss the season with the injury. What a weird game this is, but you have to pick one area of your baseball team. I think he'd be able to withstand the bullpen arm more so than anything else, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Fair enough. Let's see. What's the next question? We're rolling through these. That's uh, fine. Would you rather have one get out of jail free card or a key that opens any door? Well, um, I mean, if I say get out of jail free card, it's going to kind of be like, well, what kind of shit are you into? But a, a key that I, I don't. I mean, I don't really intend on going to prison. I mean, I guess if I if I got the jail out of free card, I could, you know, do some Phil Mickelson white collar shit and not be worried about it. I don't really know. Yeah, I, but then if you had a key to every door, you could just, like, walk into bank vaults and take whatever you wanted. Yeah, but the key that uh, – but if you walk into a bank vault with the key that opens any door, that really doesn't absolve you from the crime of actually taking the money even though you got in there. So you would need both to pull that off. Uh I would take I, my chances, and, you know, going, just because they you don't have to use your fingerprints if you got a key for the door, right? You wear gloves, you you steal what you need to, and get out of there. And it's not like you would trigger alarms or anything if you've got access to the door. I thought you I mean you still get seen on camera, though. But not if you're wearing all black with a mask. You just go at two a.m. If you've got access, you won't trigger alarms, right? I mean, call me checkerboard past whatever. I'm probably going with the jail out of free card. I don't tend to get locked out of many places I want to get into. <laughs> Fair enough. What's more difficult to win March Madness or the College World Series? The NCAA tournament is infinitely harder, though. It's really hard to get to the College World Series, and it is hard to win. But, I mean, you still get leeway in terms of you can lose games without your season being over. Winning, what is it, six what, games that yeah. you can lose or seven games? You, you can lose two in the regional. You can lose one in the Super, and you can lose three in Omaha. So, yeah, you can lose six games and still win yeah, the championship. You can lose two in the region, I guess, depending on how you do it. Like, you right. got to get to the – yeah, so two, one, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's they're both extremely difficult, but, man, winning six games in a row or what? It, what is it, 64, 32, 16, 8, 4. Yeah, uh, winning six games in a row – in the NCAA tournament is incredibly hard to do because it, it, as much as like people like the NCAA and I love the NCAA tournament, like I'm not like, I'm not, I guess speaking like poorly of it, but as much as people like the upsets and the Cinderella's and all that, like you do have Cinderella's to get to the final four, but the reason that you really all like only have blue bloods winning national titles is because once you get to that fifth and sixth game, it's so hard to win six in a row that the teams with the best talent and the best players, ultimately end up winning it nine times out of ten that's why honestly it's one of the greatest sporting events on earth because it has a little bit of everything it has your upsets it has your cinderellas it has your smaller schools competing with the big boys and making a run and extending their season a couple weeks but when it actually comes down to it that fifth and sixth game or fourth and fifth game elite eight final four whatever has a way of weeding out the uh the athletically inferior teams or the talent inferior teams. So it it's really kind of the greatest sporting event on earth because of that. Yeah, definitely not the best way to determine a champion though. Uh, not even close. But how about this? You could cut the field in half and never eliminate a champion. And I think you would never eliminate a final four appearance either. If you went back and cut every field in half you would have never eliminated a champion. Right. That's why I like it so much, though, because you have that fact is true, but then you also have, you know, the Loyola Chicago Ramblers being a win away Maryland, from Maryland, Baltimore title. County. Yeah, that type of stuff. You have everything. Is it probably the best way to determine a champion? No, but at the same time... It's the most you know, fun the way to do it. Yeah, it's, it's a hell of a lot of fun. And number two, 
the team that does win it, it's hard to argue when you win six basketball games in a row, given the teams you face and the competition you face. It's hard to argue you're an unworthy champion. I mean, it's really impossible to argue. So, yeah, do you lose a team or two that would have had a shot otherwise if you had a mulligan or room to lose a game? Yeah, sure. But at the same time, like, like I've never left an NCAA tournament uh, like season or whatever and been like, yeah, that national champion didn't really deserve it. They got lucky. Like, right. maybe the closest thing to that was Virginia last year because they were incredibly fortunate. But man, they were they were really really good all year too. So it's uh that's my probably if you're talking about single favorite sporting event, that's in my top two, top three. Yeah, for sure. Favorite and least favorite class classes taken in college. I had a freshman history class taught by a guy. I may have told this story on the podcast before, taught by Jeff Bordon. I, I don't want to get his name wrong. His name's Jeff. He was a history teacher, but he came in. He was a really odd guy. He wore full suits to class every day. He had a big, long ponytail. I think he drank like every night of the week, but he came in. He, like, he, he basically told us the first day, he's like, you put your phones up here. When I come in and shut the door, class has started. Like, you don't talk, you don't move, any sort of movement's distracting. And he would come in and just put on a performance, basically, it was like it was. And you took notes, and you didn't say a word, and 50 minutes went by, and then he put his chalk down, and it was over. But he was awesome. He was incredibly smart. It was probably the most I've learned in a class in a while. Like, I love the guy. But he would freak out on you if you talked or moved or asked a question at the wrong time. Like, it was literally like a theatric performance, but he was awesome, and I loved that class. So history, what, one or whatever that was, I think it was Jeff Bourdain or something like that. I don't know. Uh, least favorite class was the uh, that uh, marketing supply chain management class that I wrote the teacher review about uh, on that we read on the radio. I hated that class. I didn't learn anything. Uh, I hope that guy's still not allowed to teach kids. <laughs> uh, favorite was astronomy. Because I, I guess I just went to a shitty public school or something. I didn't know much or didn't have perspective of just how vast and massive our universe and then the potential universes that surround our universe was. And just the concept of how big everything is and then the prospect of potentially not being alone in this universe and talking about it freely was awesome for me. Like, I felt like I was high even though I didn't do that. You know, and just sitting there thinking like, whoa, for an hour, a few times a week was awesome. Yeah, astronomy is cool. Like I kind of had the same thing with that history thing because I learned a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have already learned. And to, to be honest, the, those freshman classes like that are kind of the, the like kind of the answer to a lot of these questions sometimes, because once you get into your major, like, I mean, Sorry to anyone if anyone in the business school listened to this, but like once I got into the marketing major at Ole Miss, it was like, all right, give me the test bank. How do I memorize this? Like, you didn't actually <laughs> learn a whole lot of stuff. So, those freshman classes that were a little more enjoyable, I actually found I learned more stuff in. There were a couple marketing classes and stuff I enjoyed, and I had some good business teachers, but just your run of the mill, different marketing, you know, marketing three, whatever. Like, it just became, all right, test bank, pass, test bank, fail. Like, yeah. get, me out of the, get me out of this class. So, uh, freshman classes were pretty good. Let's uh -huh. see. And least favorite gender studies. Uh, I, my advisor sucked and like get to the second semester of my senior year. And it's like, Oh, by the way, you have to take one of these, like, I think it was a humanity or something. And, uh, there's only one available. So you have to take this class this year. It's like, well, thanks. And it was gender studies. And I was one of like two guys in the entire class. And it was a big auditorium. And the professor was very fond of saying, well, let's get the man's opinion on this and would call oh, on us, God. and it was miserable. Oh, that sounds because awful. Because nothing I could have said would have been appropriate. You know what I mean? Like, I was set up to be the asshole of the class every single time she did that. Yeah, and I bet, honestly, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but basing on a teacher teaching gender studies, I'm going to bet she pretty she she kind of loved that so oh my uh, gosh she, it was her favorite thing to do and i sat yeah. in the back because of course i did oh man it was awful yeah i had a philosophy logic class where the entire basically the guy's mission the whole class was to open up your brain and scramble it and then put it back in and dismiss you and i dropped that in like three weeks <laughs> I, I had that class philosophy 10 something with logic and i it just sucked i heard some 
I heard some dumbass got in line at 12 a.m. What's the earliest you would get in line to pick seating right field? I would never do that. Uh, I only had one year of getting to sit in right field. I started covering baseball for the school newspaper in, as a sophomore. So I only sat out there for a year, and I like I get the pageantry and the enjoyableness of it, but I don't know if I'm ever lining up to put a chair out there. Just it sounds awful. I yeah, was, they, they did have a dude get out there at midnight though. Like I guess he slept out there. It was cold as hell Wednesday night, Tuesday night, whatever it was. Yeah, kudos uh, to that dude. It was so much easier um, back when I was in school. I mean, they just kept that gate open, and I. Because I knew nobody else was going to do it right. I was the guy that kept the 40 chairs in the back of my SUV. And, like, I, I handled that for my fraternity, for our fraternity, I guess. Um, there are still chairs, or there were last year. I got a picture sent to me with my last name on Sharpie on them. Um, Hell yeah, but it's I just, on. <laughs> I just handled that, though. Um, we were the first section when you got to the student section. That was us. That was where my group of KA sat for every baseball game. We were there for every, we didn't miss a game. We were always there, uh, but they didn't make you wait. It was just like the gate was open. You put your chairs down and everybody, like if somebody's chair was there, you didn't touch it. And if you did touch it and somebody caught you, you were called out and you were the asshole. So like the honor system was really good because nobody messed with your stuff. You just put it out there. And if somebody's chair was there, that's too bad. And it worked perfectly. I don't understand why they're having to do this. Maybe it's just there's more people. But what Ole Miss needs to do out there is stop letting students bring their own tents. Because what they'll do is they'll bring a tent for the first game. And then for some reason, they take the cover off of it, and they never put it back on. So you have all of these tent shells for the biggest weekends in a full student section just out there. It looks trashy as hell. Add a permanent structure out there. Just do it. It won't be expensive. Put a permanent structure out there with Ole Miss baseball on the top that is like it, it can look like the tents or do a better job than what you did in the football student section with the Firefest tents. But a permanent structure awning out there, something that looks better than all of these tent shells that you've got out there all season long. It won't cost you anything, and it would – Probably trap sound and send it more towards the field as well. Provide shade, look better. Everything about that would be better than the current system. But nobody asked me because I'm smarter than them. I'm just kidding. But and still. Before, before you do that, go see Greg, University Avenue across from Kroger. I know a bunch of you are going to the baseball game today. Trust me, go check him out. LBs, go get Lane Kiffin special, Keith Carter special. would probably be the coolest dude in the outfield if you're cooking a steak in right field. If that's not your style, go get the Swayze sausage, the ribeye sausage. Greg has all kinds of sausages to choose from. He's even got a Swayze game pack. Uh, nothing better. Maybe even go with the crawfish grilling combo. Go. I don't know if they're selling crawfish yet, but go get some of that. Then go see Greg, and you will be the most popular guy in the outfield. But go see him. Trust me, you won't regret it. Tell him we sent you. Uh, I don't know if he does college baseball gambling picks, but it'd be worth asking him. Uh, you can tell him I told you to ask. But University Avenue across from Kroger. Let's finish these up. Uh, what's the weekend prediction scores? Hell, I don't know, man. It's college baseball. Uh, one nothing, one nothing, one nothing. How about that? <laughs> uh, they'll take one. They'll lose a series uh, two games to one, and um, people will be upset. But in reality, if they find a way to get one this weekend, uh, I think that is fine. And moving forward, it will be just fine. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think Louisville probably takes two out of three this weekend. If I'm just making a prediction, how many ru total runs are scored? Um, I don't know. Here's a take: If Ole Miss scores ten runs, they got a puncher's chance of winning two games. Actually, no, 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 not true. Twelve. If they get to twelve runs, they got a puncher's chance at winning two out of three. Four runs each game is going to give you a fighting shot. More than a fighting shot tonight. So, I would say 12. Like that. Last couple questions. Let's see. Making sure I'm not missing any. Oh, here's a two-parter. NBA talk. Uh, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Terrence Davis not making the Rising Stars game? Thoughts on John Morant 
and the young Grizzlies just interested to hear more NBA talk. Yeah, I'm down for some NBA talk. One, I don't know the process for the Rising Stars thing, but I think most people probably are in agreement that Terrence Davis kind of got jobbed out of that. I don't really know, again, the process of that. I know well, it's it split up into two teams. Right, and World and USA. Are, right, and so when um, – Oh, God, who was it? DeAndre Ayton, I think, backed out. They added Nico Melli, who plays for New Orleans, and people got pissed because, one, Nico Melli's an almost 30-year-old rookie. He's just been in Italy or something for his whole career. But they did that because he's not from America. So they had to, like, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker made the roster because he's Canadian. Like, nobody thinks that he is having a better start to his career than Terrence Davis. It's just they had to fill the international roster. So that's where it got fishy. He should have been in it, absolutely, regardless of how it sets up. But that's why it happened that way. And it's not all rookies. He can make this game in the next two years, I believe. I don't know right. what the cutoff is, but like second and third year players. Like Jaron Jackson Jr. Well. made. Yeah. So he can make it. I think obviously he should be in it, but I don't think it's it's I like know. he should have made I, it over Colin Sexton. Like my God. If, you, if you're picking two players and you've got Colin Sexton or Terrence Davis left, you pick Terrence Davis, but that's, you know, different conversation. Yeah, 100 times out of 100, but I'm sure the NBA probably wants to market one of his lottery picks. I don't necessarily blame him for that either, who is not playing well so far. But yeah, I mean, he can make it in, 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 in years to come. I don't think it's a huge deal. I'm without looking at it, if I just know the NBA, I'm sure he fired off some tweet about how he's used to being overlooked. And we'll get all kinds of fodder out of that, and it'll be all fine. Uh, Grizzlies are awesome. I think they're going to sleepwalk to the eight seed. Although Zion and the Pelicans are, uh, to borrow a term from Stephen A. Smith, they are coming for you. This, I think that'll end up being, like, I almost hope the Grizzlies uh, lose a couple games. Because I think if you're, like, if you enter the month of March with, like, Zion and New Orleans two behind the Grizzlies and John Morant, that's going to be a fun twofold race in terms of, uh, in terms of one, I think that could largely sway unfairly or fairly the rookie of the year deal. I think Zion still has a shot. And two, obviously the race for the eight seed. I think that would be an awesome NBA storyline. Uh, so as much as I'm not a Grizzlies fan, but I like to like they're on all the time. I like watching NBA. They're the local game I get. I would like to see either one of those teams in the playoff. But just for the sake of it being a race and kind of a twofold race, I'd kind of like the Grizzlies to fall back just slightly. Yeah, and there's a chance they do that, although New Orleans just shot themselves in the foot last night, played like absolute garbage, still had a chance to to beat Oklahoma City, couldn't do it last night. Um, Gallinari, they, so their one all-star, New Orleans, um, Brandon Ingram was out last night, and he's the only one that probably could have guarded uh, Gallinari uh, effectively, and since he was out, Gallinari just went off again against New Orleans. So I think they're five back. Uh, going into the All-Star break, but New Orleans has the easiest remaining schedule in the NBA left, the easiest. And Memphis has, I think it's number four, but it's definitely a top five most difficult schedule in the league. So if you want that kind of thing to happen, it is set up for it to happen. And Zion's just spectacular, man. He went for 33 last night. I mean, he just bullied Steven Adams, bullied him, was bigger and stronger and faster than him, just only lacked in height, but what was just better and more physical and more athletic than that dude. And he's doing it every night. No matter who you throw at him, like uh, Boston tried to throw Marcus Smart at him, and Zion was too physical. And then, like Memphis, had Valanchunas try to guard Zion, and he was too quick. And so every night, that's the matchup that he's going to get, and he's going to exploit who, whatever big you put on him in one way or another. The kid for playing 10 games in the NBA, for being as physical and quick and athletic as he is and sh yes all like I saw get up yesterday debated whether or not that um he was too one-dimensional to be good in the NBA and it's like guys he's 19 it's nine games into his career and he's shooting 65 percent or whatever like why the hell would he not be one-dimensional when he's getting those kind of looks at the rim consistently and it just blows my mind he's fantastic the Grizzlies are great Jaw's great you could see that playoff stretch run, though, with the schedule disparity. And uh, I think the Grizzlies are still going to take it, though. 
Yeah, and the good thing about this, the way the lottery happening the way it did, is this is going to be a thing for the next, what, five to seven years before they can really kind of opt out. And I'm not saying they will. A long way away from that. But having both of these smaller market franchises in the South be good with transcendent stars for the next half decade plus is going to be awesome. And I am totally here for it. I think it's going to be great. And uh, honestly, with football out the window, we could probably do a weekly NBA type segment. I'll uh, workshop that for next week. Uh, Post all-star break would be a good time to whip it out. So uh, yeah, I I am here for the Grizzlies and the Pelicans being good for a while. And I would like to see, I know they like each other in the AAU teammates, but I'd like to maybe see a groin shot or two and have some bad blood. That would be a fun rivalry. So uh, <laughs> I think I, they I think have. Could, it'd be fun they if they two games left other. together, right? I think it'd be fun if they hated each other. Is all I'm saying. May, even if it's just a playful type of "I don't like you," I think that would be fun because that would be so weird to have two NBA teams in the South actually have a rivalry. Like that, that would be strange and awesome at the same time. Last mailbag question we got. Then we'll quickly put a bow on the basketball coverage and get out of here. I know you've got radio hits to do. What is your? Uh, what would your walkout song be? in uh if you were if you were a college baseball player uh i would just have an entire album of florida georgia line play on shuffle every time i got to the plate (laughs) i've got to find a a music critic went to a florida georgia line concert and wrote a review of the show and it, it just tears them apart it'll make you laugh so bad they apparently they played the same song twice in the show that kind that's of the kind of thing I need to start doing. Like I know that's not Super Talk's footprint, but I would love nothing more to just go to like a Nickelback show and just eviscerate it, even if it's just on like a blog. <laughs> <laughs> but carry on, carry on. Um, I don't know, something by Led Zeppelin, probably. Um, Cashmere? No, not Cashmere. Um. Oh, hell, I don't know. But that's my favorite band, and there's not even a close second. So it would be something about them. I don't really get, like, motivated by music, so I think it would be funny to just make do something that makes the crowd wildly uncomfortable. Like, my hopes. Mine had uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight as his walkout song in high school. See, that would be a good one. I'm trying, like, I don't know, My Humps, Candy Shop. Uh, I would have, yeah, that would be on Candy Shop, but it's that band that you can book that's in, uh, that's in the uh, Hangover movie. Maybe they could play the little video on the Jumbotron as well. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just I, I, I've no, I didn't play baseball at a high enough level to ever know what a walkout song is. The closest thing I got to that was the uh, redneck teams we played in uh, youth baseball. Their parents would bring like a boombox and play when, when their kid came up. It was like, all right, chill out. It's coach pitch. We're eight. Like, let, let's take it easy here. So. <laughs> Anyway, that was our last mailbag question, I believe. Make sure it didn't miss any. But uh, final thoughts before we get out of here. Uh, we didn't hit a ton of basketball. This is a big game for Ole Miss. They've got to – I mean, it's essentially a free shot. You know, not a great matchup with Nick Richards inside. Ashton Hagen's pretty good go- – I mean, excuse me, Tyrese Maxey, pretty good guard. Ashton Hagen's is a good guard as well. It'll be fun backcourt matchup. I think it's going to have to be the same blueprint as the other night where you're just going to need – Play good. You're going to need C and Buffin to play good enough front court defense to where uh, to where Richards just doesn't go off for 35, you know, seven offensive rebounds and you got no shot. And then I think you're going to need a combination. I mean, if it's not Tyree by himself going for 40, you're going to need he and Shewer to play like they played against Florida or play like they played against South Carolina. You're going to need them to play like an all SEC backcourt and them, honest to God, have one of their best, if not their best, collective performances of the season. I think there's an outside shot. I wouldn't call it likely if you put a percentage on it. I'd put 15 to 20, but that's higher than I would have put it two weeks ago. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a free shot, and they can play loose like they have been the last few weeks, and they have a real shot at, at winning this game. It's, and 20% a real shot. So I'm not saying they're going to go in there and win, but they can, and it's worth paying attention to while you're at the baseball field. Yeah, that's what I was saying a second ago. Like if it, like two weeks ago, I would have just had the score up, whatever. Put like do your like write a quick blurb, put it on the website, and be over with. But honestly, this is probably going to have more of my attention than the baseball game while while the basketball game is going. Because one, it's going to end first, and two, I think it's more important. So I and who would have thought it's a lot more that? important? It is. Ex- yeah. it is exclusively the important game being played that day. Yeah, and like who would have thought that two weeks ago? Because I mean, the way they were a couple weeks ago, it wouldn't have mattered. And 
this it's going to be wild because if that actually happens, and again, I don't I don't like their chances too much, but uh, just playing the what if game, the the conversation we w- we are going to have on this show on Monday if they are able to pull that is going to be something I don't think I would <laughs> I would have ever imagined to where we're going to be going through the rest of their schedule wondering how this mass shakes out and how they can get back into it, which at, at one in seven in the SEC is just kind of a wild place to be. So I'm here from a content perspective. I'm here for it. That would be fun. And, you know, I mean, like it would be a hell of a story. And like this place has not really had that many compelling storylines in terms of on field performances in the last little bit. So I'm, I'm here for it. I think that would be awesome. So, uh, all right, man, I I got to run. Absolutely. So if, uh, uh, we'll be back at it on Monday. We'll have baseball recap, basketball recap. If you like what you heard, uh, like, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Go see Greg University Avenue across from Kroger for all of your baseball game day needs. We appreciate you guys listening. And Borky and I will be back at it on Monday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.